0: I feel like the last few weeks, God has been helping us teach on how to worship, because in, in America, worship is a spectator sport, uh, where you sit in your seat and you judge the vocals and the musicians and see how good they hit the notes, but that's not worship of Scripture. Worship of Scripture is when we all participate in, in the adoration and the praise of the holiness of God. And I, I pray that God continues to do our work in that as, as Jess leads us in learning how to worship God appropriately for his station. You know, today I believe um, it's going to be a little different. I'm, I'm teaching more than I'll be preaching. And I believe for some of us it will be a historic moment in our life uh, because as I was praying over this sermon this week and praying with some of the leaders uh, just believing that God will take away the veil from our eyes. Um, what I hope to teach us on today is, is how to fight well. Uh, I'm going to be, the title of my sermon is The War Within. And I, I pray that you have the ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you today uh, so that this can be a pivotal moment in your life like it was in mine and so many other people's who understood the work of the Spirit. So let's read. I'm, I'm going to read just Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. I know you have to 23 on your sheets, um, but I'll stop at 18. This is Paul speaking to the church in Galatia. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You ever wonder why you have such a high capacity to watch a movie, to do yoga, meditate, to read any other book but the Bible, to scroll through social media endlessly, but find it nearly impossible to pray and to read the scriptures. I want to first say that you are not alone. This is a universal struggle that has been going on uh, probably since the beginning of time, but we know specifically in the New Testament, from the very foundations of the early church. But what I want you to be aware of and what I want you to understand, and I don't want you to be ignorant towards, is that there is a war happening every single day for your soul that you may not even know about. See, how I know that this has been going on forever is because Paul gives us a little insight into his life in the book of Romans. And if you've never read the book of Romans then your homework for this week, go home and read the book of Romans. I remember the first time I read it with like, for real read it, as a Christian read it, as a Christian that wasn't based off of my parents' uh, Christianity, but based off of my own, the entire book was highlighted. There was no point in any of my highlights. (laughs) You ever have something like that? It's like, I don't know why I highlighted this literally entire book. But that was Romans for me. And Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 7. So I want you to listen. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. It's the first piece of theology that we need to understand. That is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Can we say amen? amen? For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want Is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So Paul's saying, you have something that is struggling for control over your actions, that sin is dwelling in you. That's why he said, Nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, because there is something that wants to do what is contrary to what I know I need to do, what is good for me to do, what is right for me to do, it is. Waging war in me. He says in verse 21, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, in my body, another law. What? Waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Then he screams, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Church, we are at war. We are at war every single day. We are at war every morning. We are at war every night. We are at war every lunchtime. There is a war waging on the inside of you for control. And sin through your flesh is vying for control of your mind, is vying for control of your day, is vying for control of your life. It wants to direct what you look at, what you stare at, what you dwell on, where your attention goes. If you read about the top tech companies of today, They are not after your money. They are after your attention. They want what you give your time to. This is an age-old problem that sin has been waging against us since Adam and Eve have fallen short. And the thing about this war is that The flesh, as Paul calls it here, and he uses this word a lot, and you think of the flesh as this mortal body that has its desires, has its things that it it wants, that it craves. The flesh, its desire is in direct opposition with that of the spirit. And we just read about that in Galatians chapter 5. That it says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires, or that other word can be translated, the lusts of the flesh. And I like that word more, because when we think of lust, we think about just the sexual connotation of it, but truly... Lust is not just to deal with sexual desire. It is to do with the base desire of humankind, the base instincts of humankind, the things that we we vie for, the things that we desire, the things that we would kill and murder and steal and destroy for, as James says. That is the lust, the things that we want, that we covet, that we are jealous of, the base instincts of who we are as humankind. Humankind. And so if you are going to walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the lusts of your flesh. Why? Because Paul says that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh. And so when we are awakened to Christ. When we follow Jesus, we are awakened into this war that we step into. And what we don't realize is that the flesh has been winning this war for years. We have been walking by the ways of our flesh, some of us for decades, before we are truly awakened to Christ. And then if all of our problems are not solved within a day, we want to walk away. Yet what has taken years and years of battle will most likely take us years and years of battle to conquer. The flesh calls you to distraction and rebellion, to distract away from the things of God, to stay away because it knows if I give a little opportunity to prayer, if I give a little opportunity to the Spirit, to the Word, it's gonna start taking over all the things that I want and all the things that I do. And so the war and the struggle is to keep us away, to keep us constantly distracted, to keep us constantly in rebellion. And so if you've been feeling, man, it is impossible to follow God. It is impossible to walk out the things that I know that are right. I know every Sunday or, or every day I make a promise, so I'm gonna do this, and then I just I just don't do it and I don't understand Every time I want to pray and I go and I look at what time it is, I realize an hour later I've been scrolling through memes and reels on Instagram and TikTok. That is not an accident. The Spirit, though, calls you to abide and to obey. To be with Jesus. To be with God. To abide in him, live in him. And to obey him. That's why when we define the word discipleship as our core value, we define it as not only to grow in the knowledge of God and the scriptures, but the knowledge and obedience of God in the scriptures. And we may say this, see this play out in a lot of different ways. We may make grand promises. I know I was the king of grand promises growing up in church. At that retreat or at that altar call, God, I promise when I go home, I'm going to pray. And then I would get home, be like, man, you remember that? That new show came out. I need to watch it. I just watched one episode, just one episode. You know, then it's two in the morning and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) I don't got time to pray. And so I go to sleep. And then I wake up late. Don't have time. And I got work. Don't have time. I got my kids. Don't have time. Your flesh desperately wants to win. And it will do anything to keep you from God. See, there's this concept in scripture that's, and we've preached about this before as we've been going through Luke, which is this this theological concept that the kingdom is here, but not yet this tension, this duality of we believe that the kingdom of God has fully come, but we don't see the full realization of that. We still see sickness. We still see tears and all that stuff that we talk about when the fullness of that kingdom is is erected everywhere, what that will look like. And, and, And so we struggle with the verse in Corinthians that it says that when we are baptized with Christ, the old self dies and the new self has come. And it's that same concept that the new self is here, but not yet. That the flesh. That day, that that new self awoke said, "Uh-uh, your flesh is stronger, is more capable, has way more years under its belt of training of getting you to do everything that it wants to do." And here comes this puny little spirit man, spirit woman. It's like, "Can we pray today, please?" Flesh is like, "No." <laughs> That was that was my fighting high school days that <laughs> just came out. Because we have trained ourselves to follow the ways, the desires, and, and we, we get so good at hiding it of being functional flesh addicts. That's what the Pharisees were whitewashed tombs. We can make us look good and pretty. That's what they call a a functioning alcoholic, that you don't know that they're living this life completely mastered by this substance because they can comb their hair well for work and, and write a few emails and get some stuff done in their job, but yet their life revolves around this substance, and that's what we are Many times our life, we've learned to cave to our flesh, whatever it wants. And so our life is lived by when we will get this next gratification from our flesh. And yeah, we may go to work. Yeah, we may, we may do all the right things and the good things. But in our heart of hearts, we can't wait till that next fix. When is that next binge I can make on Netflix or that binge in food or that binge in pornography? Whatever it is, whatever it is, we think I can't wait for that next binge, that next thing. See, living in the spirit means your flesh is a slave. And nobody wants to be that in your flesh, least of all, and your flesh will fight to the death to make sure that does not happen. And sometimes you will feel like you are fighting to the death to make this thing happen. And I want you to know that that is the feeling. A lot of times we feel like, man, I'm doing it wrong. What is going on? Why does it feel like everything in me doesn't want to do this? Maybe this is not the right time. This is not the right thing. Guess what? That means it is the right time and it is the right thing. And everything in you does not want to do this. And wants to keep you as far away from it. Why is it that I can go hang out and party with my friends all weekend, but it is the worst feeling in the world to go to church service on Sunday? Why is it that I have all this time to do all these other things, but the second it is time to crack open the Bible, I'm like, oh, that's And it's like, well, I looked at it today. I think that's a good step in the direction that I'm going for. <laughs> I know some of y'all have said that. Don't be frightened. See, but living in the flesh means you are a slave to sin. See, the, the, the way that we lie to ourselves is that, that we have some form of control or independence in our life that we we have we are masters of self yet we find that to be extremely false and dishonest because what we find is we are mastered by something we are either mastered by god and his spirit or we are mastered by our flesh and sin there is no in between Because all of us are mastered by the flesh and sin, and that is the world, the dominion of darkness that we live in. And what Jesus does is he sets that free. He breaks the bonds of sins and gives us the spirit as a way out, as a new life that we can live. And so we we are either slave to our flesh or we are slave to the spirit. And when we are a slave to our flesh, there is only one outcome. Romans chapter 8, right after verse uh, chapter 7, Paul says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. could not be more clear than that. You know how often I have to tell myself when I wanna do things that I know are against what God has called me to do, When when everything in me says, Justin, this is the way you're wired. This is who you are. Go for it. Justin, you can't stop this. This desire is more powerful than you. And how often I have to remind myself of a truth that I do not believe. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. If I give myself over to this, this is leading me down a path to death. This is bad for me. Do you know I don't believe that many times? There have been nights where I have sat in my room and just cried because I want to do something that I know I shouldn't. And I have to remind myself over and over again of the truth of Scripture this will kill me. And it may not kill me like I'm going to physically die that moment, like Adam and Eve thought, but it will kill me, like it did for Adam and Eve. It will lead me down that path of depravity. It will open doors and windows in my heart that don't belong. How often I have to remind myself of a truth that I do not feel to be correct. See, your flesh's one main desire is this, comfort. I want you to hear Jesus's temptations for a moment how the devil came and tempted Jesus. See, the the devil offered everything to Jesus that God offered him, but faster and easier. Did you ever realize that? So Jesus was on a 40-day fast, and what did the devil tempt him with? Food. Devil tempted me a lot with food this week. And what does Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes at the mouth of God. The the devil offered him right there. Here's a easy way out. You're hungry? You can create some food right now. This is how you do it. And Jesus could have made that food and he could have ate and he could have been good. But no, he didn't, because what did he do? He obeyed what God had called him to do. Satan brings up Jesus to the pinnacle of a mountain and says, look at all the kingdoms, I'll give this all to you if you just bow down. How was Jesus going to receive the kingdoms of the earth? By going to the cross, by being beaten, by being crucified, and dying, by drinking the Wrath of God that was not meant for him, but for everybody else in this room. The enemy offered him the easy way out. I'll give this to you right now, but Jesus said no. He chose the cross instead. Because what the enemy offered him was a false Reality was not true. It would ultimately have killed him. It would have destroyed everything that God had planned since the very foundation of the world. And then he says, another temptation was around his identity. If you throw yourself from here, the angels will pick you up and make sure that you don't hurt yourself. The, The enemy questioned his identity as God. But when did Jesus get his identity confirmed by the Father right after that fast? When the 40 days were over and he goes to be baptized and the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit descends upon him and the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. See, if your spiritual life is based off of how you feel, you are doomed to fail. Do you understand that? That if it is based off of how you feel, you are doomed to fail. If your thought process is, I'll pray when I feel like it, I'll praise when I'm happy, I'll read when I have a clear head and enough time, you are doomed to fail. It will not work. In fact, if that has been your thought process, you know that it does not work. Because you have seen the fruit of those actions that your spirit life has failed. See, what we need to learn as God's people is when to identify when the flesh is talking. When the flesh is trying to misdirect, rebel, and influence my time and attention. It may go like this. I hate the world and I don't want to do anything but eat food and watch TV. Flesh. The flesh wants you to sit in comfort and it will give you an excuse of perspective. This is bad, do this. It will make it easier and better. I'm too busy with work this week to spend time with God. Great excuse, flesh. See, the the flesh will use good things and turn them into bad things. It's good to work. It's good to have a job. But when that job becomes your ultimate thing, the thing that you put above, and let's not let's not get it twisted. When we do one thing and not another, that's, that's what worship means. We give our time and attention to someone. When we give our time and attention to this thing instead of that, we are worshiping that thing instead of this. God isn't satisfying me with a man or a woman. Could be your marriage, your partner, whoever it is. So I need to satisfy myself. The flesh that is a lie heard so many people make because God is not giving me this I need to go out and take it for myself. That is a lie of your flesh. I'm not making enough money, so I need to take things into my own hands. That is your flesh. See, when I identify the enemy coming at me with stuff, sometimes I I breathe a sigh of relief. I know how to deal with the enemy. He's been defeated. That's easy. When me and Heather were struggling a few months ago, and we realized we came to we are we're under attack. And I was I, I literally was like, "Thank God!" I just thought I was crazy. <laughs> now I know how to direct my prayers. I know how to live. I can I can kind of stand up again with my back straight. Jesus has crushed his head, but the flesh, man, screwing with my thoughts screwing with my time, messing with with my biology, getting me to think all these twisted thoughts and then the enemy using that to crank it in up a notch. That sometimes, that's why I want the veil of ignorance to be taken away from our eyes because a lot of us have been just slipping away slowly Going deeper and deeper into darkness. And the excuse has been it's felt right or I like this or it feels good. And we're slipping deeper and deeper into death. Because that is the only promise that the flesh and sin can truly give out on. That is it. See, you need a theology of the spirit and the flesh to identify one of the main ways that the enemy will try to keep you from God. You cannot live in ignorance. If you are ignorant, you will think your spiritual life is a game of when I feel like it. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul uses the analogy of running a race. And I love this because in in 9, verse 27, he says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Or as I grew up reading this, you know, in God's true version, the KJV. But I beat my body and keep it under submission. (laughs) Martin Luther used to actually whip himself. (laughs) That's not what the scripture is talking about here. What Paul was saying was, my body is not in control of me. My body's desires are not in control of me. My body's desires are not going to be the thing that, that make me do what, what it wants to do. It's not going to be the thing that makes me go left or go right. Because when we're asking who is in control, guess what? My body gets disciplined and has to come under submission to what the Spirit of God has called me to be and to do. And when our body does not come under submission, what happens is we live a life that all we do is procreate in the world of death and multiply the pain, the depression, the anxiety, the sorrow of the flesh over our life. This has to be intentional discipline. That's why they call it the spiritual disciplines. Because it's intentional discipline of saying, nobody, you will not submit. You will not win. This is why I love fasting. Because if there is the best way to get your body under control, it is to not allow it to eat, to show it who's boss. You ain't boss, yeah, you're gonna be hungry all day. I'ma hate myself, but you ain't boss. You will not have control over me. Some people on the train may have thought I was schizophrenic maybe many days. Who's this guy talking to? Sometimes I would keep earplugs in my ears so they thought I was on a Bluetooth call or something. <laughs> you will not win. We've been in a boxing match thinking that we're having tea with somebody. And they're pummeling us, destroying us. Why do I feel so terrible? I thought I was going to have a good time. And we're still waiting for the promise of that tea. We have to discipline our bodies to keep it under submission. This has to be intentional. This has to be something that we, we think about every single day that we say, we have to be able to know where the score is. Has my body been winning? Has my flesh been winning? Romans chapter eight, verse seven says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Some of us have wondered, why is it that I cannot obey? I cannot do what I am called to do. I, can't, I It just seems like I can't get anything right. And there is an answer here for you. Your flesh rules over your body. Your flesh rule. You are a slave to sin because of your flesh. but I want to give you some good news that we are given the great helper to do this, to put this flesh into submission, to make sure it doesn't have control over us anymore, to say that you will not win. When Paul screams in Romans 7, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul hardly uses exclamation points, but we see that here in the scripture. Because he's serious. This is a, a cry of the heart. And if you've been a Christian for a long time and maybe you've, you've come and you're not and you have, you've come to the end of your rope and you wonder, how do I get out of this? I've tried everything and yet I f- still feel terrible. I have moments of happiness, but the truth I cannot escape. My life seems one doomed to fail. The answer right out of that is Jesus he says, thanks be to God for Jesus. And then Romans 8 is all about the helper that it will help us walk this life out in the Spirit. That's why I said your homework is go home and read Romans. Romans 8:26 says this, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Uh, the Spirit is interceding for us and helping us in our weakness, that when our spirit is awakened to God, and it's this weak, puny little thing and our flesh is this big strong buff person that is destroying it guess what the spirit comes it's like one of those cartoons where the kid is going up against the bully and the bully gets scared and runs away only to find that there was a bigger person behind the kid that is the spirit in our life that when the flesh and the enemy wants to stare us down what we don't see is that the spirit is behind us ready to help in our weakness, that when we come alive to Christ and we're getting pummeled in the ring by our flesh, guess what? We tag in the spirit. He jumps in there. He's bigger, stronger, ready to go. And now the flesh has no chance. John sixteen seven. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here's what you need to know. If you are battling the flesh on your own, you will lose. Many have been trying to obey God in their flesh. They have been putting all of their willpower, all of their discipline, all of their trying into being a sinless person. Guess what? It's not going to work. I have tried every formula. I have tried the hardest. I can tell you from experience, I'm a pastor's kid. I knew all the best terminology, all the best formulas. I've been to every conference you can imagine, and it will not work. What you have to do is you have to put all your strength and all your willpower and all that you got into one thing, into being with Jesus abiding with him. I remember when God changed my perspective one day that man, I was spending all of my time worrying about how not to sin the next hour or the next day. And God said, stop worrying about that. Worry about being with me and what you'll find is one day you'll wake up and realize you stopped that sin. And that's exactly what happened. I remember day after day, I would wake up and thinking, I don't want that anymore. I don't desire this. I don't act like that anymore. God, have you changed me? I don't know what's going on. But what happens when you are with the Spirit is that's why they call it the fruit. Because when you plant more and more of the Spirit, what is going to grow? When you're with Him, what's going to grow is the fruit, that self-control, that patience, that goodness, that kindness, that love that you can't get from anywhere else in the world. You can't get it from trying. You can't get it from your willpower you can only get it from one place and that is abiding with Jesus so if you're going to throw yourself into something if you're going to give all that you got to something if you are going to try something as hard as you can try this throw all your willpower into this throw all your strength into this to being with Jesus What I want to give is because it is the Spirit that does this work in us. And so my call to action today is that we receive the Spirit. I want you to read a story with me in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to end with this story. In Acts chapter 19, it says this in verse 1 to verse 6. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into then what were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Some of you have heard of repentance. You've heard of the baptism of repentance. You've heard of Jesus, but you have not heard of the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've Maybe you've heard about it, but you have not encountered the Spirit and his work in your life. You have been trying to fight the flesh and the enemy on your own, ignoring the greatest helper that God has ever given to us and will ever give. So today, I want to invite you to receive the Holy Spirit. Because if we are going to fight the flesh, truly, the only thing that we can do is receive his spirit to help us. And so today for prayer, it is a specific call to prayer that if you would like to receive the spirit, some of us call that the baptism of the spirit. But if you would like to receive the spirit, I have asked our leaders to come today ready to pray for you that, that you would receive him. And when I started this sermon, I said today I think would be a historic day for many of us in our faith. And that is because the moment that our eyes are opened and we see what God has done and we receive the Spirit, that is a historic moment in our life. My life, my prayer life, my walk with God has never been the same when I received the Spirit to walk with me, to guide me, to protect me, to fight for me. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. Many of you have been struggling You understand when Paul says, every time I try to do good, evil lies close at hand. You have made promise after promise after promise to God, to yourself, to your friends, whoever it is, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get better. But you've made those promises in your flesh, thinking about your willpower and how you can achieve. I invite you today Receive the Spirit. Cast yourself upon Jesus. Be with Jesus. And see the work that he does in your life. Father, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here, not only able but willing. Lord, and I ask that your spirit would come ready to baptize and fill us, that today would mark the day that we received the greatest helper in our spiritual life and battle that could ever be given to us, the one that you promised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship. On the side here, our prayer leaders will be ready at any moment during worship to pray for you.